Frontier League tonight with Jack, Nick, Jeremy, Bob, and field reporter Dan. Welcome to the show. Let's play ball. What is up, Frontier League fanatics? It's Jeremy here with, along with Jack, bit of yeah. a bit of a lonely episode today. Um, no status on field reporter Dan yet. Uh, Nick is getting surgery done because of a football injury. Where's Bob? Uh, Bob is working. Evidently, people have jobs other than Frontier League tonight. Shocking. We don't get paid enough. <laughs> Anyways, we're actually talking to a man that should be paying us tonight. We're talking. We're going to be uh, interviewing Commissioner Bill Lee. It's a big interview. Flag- the commissioner. Flagship interview of 2015 and FLT. Um, so it's disappointing that the whole team couldn't be here, but what the hell? It's the commissioner. So you want to jump in? Well, we recently reached out to Commissioner Lee. What, what was it, a month ago? About a month ago. And, you know, his this whole process has been very easy. He responded quickly to our emails. He seems really interested in the coming of the show, and it's just been a delight talking to him. And we hope our interview with him will be equally as successful. So, All right, let's uh, call up the commissioner. Hello, we are back with Commissioner Bill Lee. Uh, Bill, just tell the Frontier League fanatics how you're doing. I really appreciate the opportunity to be on with you guys, and I appreciate what you're doing for the league, and uh, it really makes me happy to be a part of this. Well, we're glad to have you. Um, so let's get down to some of these questions. If you're not familiar with the show, we, we do have a tough gauntlet of questions. Uh, we're known for our interviewing, so... Uh, you, you've been warned. You're, you're, you're tough, probing interviewers, I'm sure. Oh, yes. Of course, yes. All right, so <laughs> since you... We, am, we almost made a guy from Charlotte cry. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, since your playing days with the Braves, you've been a full-time baseball guy. In uh, 1994, you took over as commissioner. Uh, what appealed you to the business of sports? Well, back in, uh, in 19... 19- well, about '78, when I was done playing, uh, I finished up my I finished up my degree in 1977, and I got a degree in broadcasting. And, and I was trying to do broadcast actually, and uh, I had an option, an opportunity when I was in college to get an internship with Jack Buck. But um, when I when I decided to sign and with the Braves, that opportunity went out the window. So later on in '78, '79, I was doing some just some uh, inter, you know just going up and doing some tapes on my own in Bush Stadium in St. Louis and Bob Costas and Jack Buck were, were, were you know they were reviewing my tapes and stuff and they were on my resume so I went to the winter meetings in 1980 uh, to go to, to, to uh, I was working for another company and uh, when I was down there and I was passing out my resumes to people while I was working for another company so everybody looked at me, they see Jack Buck and Bob Costs on my resume, and they, they probably went, yeah, right, sure, you know, who's he trying to get? So uh, I wanted a guy could, uh, came up, and he worked for the Birmingham Barons, and he owned it. And he said, you know what, he says, if you can sell Diamond Dry, you can sell baseball. He says, I want you to come to work for me. I'll show you how you can make more money in the front office than you can in the broadcast booth. So I fell for that line, and, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and the rest is kind of history. 
Uh, you basically saved the league from folding in the early 90s. Uh, how did you go accomplishing that? Well, the biggest thing you had to do was get the good markets. Uh, you know, and our first really good market that we got to was Evansville, Indiana. That was in 95. In 93 and 94, really, um, Chillicothe, Ohio, was the big market, was the best team in the league. You know, and they draw like 12 or 1,500 people a night. And then uh, Richmond, Indiana came in. And then we got the Kalamazoo, Michigan at one point. That was a, that was a good market for us for a while. Uh, and then it just started started to grow. And then eventually we got to the St. Louis area and the Chicago area. And, and, uh, and we started getting stadiums built for us. But the big thing that we had to do in the early years was just to get through, you know. Uh, we had a couple of owners that really worked hard to make sure that things happened and made sure that I was paid and made sure that we paid the bills from the league and made sure that the other teams got to play the other games and, and uh, we just got through people sacrificed and wow. budgets were a lot less than they were in the league now and I mean if we were playing some high school fields you know in some places and, and uh, in, uh, in, in Parkersburg West Virginia back in those days the guys actually dressed the players actually dressed in the municipal swimming pool locker room while the pool was open. Wow. So it was crazy, you know, but uh, but we did. And, and, you know, but it wasn't just only, you know, me and the, the owners and the, the general managers that had to make the sacrifices. The guys that really sacrificed to make the league live were, the, were those players back in those days. And really love the game. Were the guys that, Oh my gosh, yeah, and, and you know, and we were paying five hundred dollars a month top money at that point to the players, and they came in from all over the place to try and play and get that opportunity, and then you know we started getting a few guys picked up by major league teams here and there, but then finally in about two thousand we had our first guy make the big leagues, and and from then it was and it was Brian Tolberg, and from there it all started picking up steam from the player side as well just amazing to see how the league has grown over the years from what you just told us tonight. you know and, and, and that's true guys I mean uh, it, for me personally it's sometimes hard you know, I don't know if you've ever heard the saying that it's hard to see the forest or the trees but it, that's very true in this regard because when I sit back from 1994 now and really, I just finished my 22nd season with the league, I think it was. And, because um, there's only one season that the league, that I haven't been with the league. And so if you look back at that and I go, wow, where we were and where we are now, it's amazing. And I wish, many times, I wish I could take our owners now, our players now, our managers now, and many people that take for granted where we are now, okay, and really show them what we were and show them where it's, how far it's come. And because in my opinion, you can't appreciate anything in life where you are unless you understand where you've come from. You follow what I'm saying? That's, that's true in all scenarios, yes. True. It really is. It's true in everything you do. Well, a lot of players and managers listen to this podcast, so I'm sure they'll be uh, happy to hear you say all that. 
But um, well, you know, and and, and I and, and but the players have gotten better. Uh, you know, the, the whole overall talent in the league has gotten better. I'm not so sure we have better individual players at times than we had. I, I I still think when I've watched all the talent that we've had come through the league, I still think the best year for overall talent in the league was 1998. We had uh, four or five guys out of that out of the league that year that played the big leagues. Wow. So, yeah, and, uh, and and the main one being Morgan Burkhart that holds all the records in the league. And um, I mean, a year and a half after he played the Frontier League, he was, he was, he was uh, playing in Fenway Park. Yeah, Morgan Burkhart's pretty popular around the uh, the squad. We'd love yes. to have him on someday, yeah, but uh, he's so the man. he's the man that built it. And Peter Gammons called him the Babe Ruth of the Frontier League when he made it. <laughs> Uh, you also have a background in uh, hockey with the Seattle Thunderbirds. Are you a big hockey fan, or you know, I wasn't. I've always, I've always kind of liked it. You know, growing up in the St. Louis area, and I just kind of liked it. Of course, you guys are big Blackhawks fans, I'm sure. And uh, but then when I got to work in it, I really realized how much I really liked the sport. But overall, I really realized how much I respected and I liked the athletes themselves, the hockey players themselves. They're a totally different breed of animal than uh, than the baseball player, and uh, uh, they're just they're just, they're they're great to be around. They're, uh, they're 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 very they're they're the most kind, considerate people that I've met in sports, and uh, you know, quiet. And, but man, they'll go through once they go through the wall. You know, they'll go to the wall for you. And they may come out of there all banged up and everything, but they'll keep going for you. Well, I can see that being a baseball player myself, the different type of personalities of a hockey and baseball player. So I'm glad you brought oh, that yeah. up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, without a doubt. Without a doubt. But I love it, and it was fun marketing in, in Seattle, and, and uh, which is what I did. We took a lot of the stuff we did in baseball and put it into hockey. And uh, uh, we were the first ones to put a hot tub in an arena, and we had... You know, we were doing some crazy stuff that we used to do up there in Seattle, and, and uh, it was a lot of fun. A lot of fun. Commissioner, we recently conducted a poll on the name controversy sur- surrounding the Trevor City Beach Bums. Are you aware of that controversy? No, not at all. Uh, well, basically, uh, some people find. Uh, well, now this is not. This does not reflect the. Uh, Opinions, opinions of, of the Frontier League tonight. Uh, we've we've been uh, equally split on this, and we were thinking about doing an episode to debate on the topic. But uh, some people find it offensive to homeless people. Um, and <laughs> you gotta be kidding me! No, I, I'm not, because we took a poll when when uh, when someone. <laughs> it, it, I, I I find it laughable myself, but we did. Uh, when we learned of this news, we did we did take a poll, and fifty seven percent of voters felt it was offensive. Uh, what do you have to say to that fifty seven percent? I think my lashing might be part of it. It might be part of my answer. <laughs> but, uh, maybe I, okay. Let's 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 laugh here. I find it offensive, but they find it offensive. How's that? <laughs> I'll take your that, word that for works, it. That, yeah, that works. works. That works. <laughs> because. Because what was funny was when, when they actually named it that, I was talking to Leslie Werfel, and uh, they had a different name that they were really looking at, and and it was really kind of a 
more of a playful type name thing, you know? Mm-hmm. So we were just talking about different things, and all of a sudden she said the name, and I'm with her, and I said, oh my God, that's it. That's it. And, and Beach Bump stuck. And, I, I, think it's and, a, uh, I think it's a unique name, you know? It's one well, of those. The main reason it's unique is because most people that don't understand, a lot of people don't understand about Traverse City. And one of the, the big draws to Traverse City, it's a huge, huge, huge. Uh, tourist area in the summer and it goes from a population of like 80 or 90,000 people you know normally year round to almost 250,000 people in the summer and the big the big attraction there are the beaches and the you know the water and the, and the, the climate up there at that point in time and uh, and so the beaches are a huge 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 draw and that's one of the reasons people go there and they're known for their what they call sugar beaches so um, and so the beach mama is just somebody that Yeah. Well, I think we all like the name here. Yeah. So. <laughs> I like the name, guys. I like it. I think it's unique. You know, it's uh, different than... Uh, if you're still counting, you can count me among those that like it. All right, we will. Uh, another poll, we didn't take this. It was conducted by sportslogos.net. Uh, we usually like to keep up on all the news surrounding it. They uh, found two Frontier League teams to have the worst logos in their respective states. Uh, those teams were the Thunderbolts in Illinois and the Freedom in Kentucky. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I don't really have much thoughts on it. Uh, the logos are the logos, and, and people do, you know, they've got a lot of money invested in them. So, uh, you know, if the ownership like them and the teams like them and, and it works for them, then, uh, you know, I'm all about it, and then that's fine. All right. Well, we're now going to go to one of our main topics of uh, the interview, and that has to deal with the age limit in the Frontier League. A lot of players have concerned, uh, have uh, voiced their concern with this topic. Uh, do you have any plans to raise the age limit in the near future? Uh, not if I can help it. All right. Because it, what if enough players voice concerns with you on the age limit? Uh, would it persuade you to can even consider a raise? Or Here's what I think, guys, uh, to be honest with you. The, the Frontier League was founded on being the young league in, in our business um, and providing the opportunity to play for younger guys that don't get the opportunity to play and uh, giving them their first and sometimes second chances uh, at an opportunity to play professional baseball and move on and further their careers. For years I've called this League of League of Dreams. Okay. To me, every single player that comes into this league has one major dream. Okay, every single player that's to play in the big leagues. From the time you start playing when you're seven or eight years old, Jeremy, you play baseball, right? Yep. Jack, you play baseball? Uh, no, no. Point, I, you've always said. Go ahead. I hung up the jersey uh, years ago. <laughs> but when you were a kid, at some point, everybody wants to be be a major league baseball player and tell me right now you wouldn't want to be okay so it's, it's it's very true though that if the league can provide a stepping stone to that dream then let's provide it same thing goes true for fans that if we can bring a team into your particular market that you can't get affiliated minor league baseball such as they're in Schaumburg or such as they're in Windy City 
Mayor Joliet because of mileage restrictions. You can't get affiliated minor league baseball. And that provides then another thing for fans to have a place to dream to go see professional baseball in their own hometown. Same thing holds true for owners or whatever it might be. Okay. Our players are looked at a lot of times by kids that are in the, the little leagues or whatever in our towns as really as hometown heroes. It's, it's almost like the big leagues for them. You know, they can reach out and touch these guys. So my feeling on it is, and you mm-hmm. asked me about the, the age limit, coming back around to it, we bring guys in starting, really for the most part, guys start coming into the league at about age 21. Okay. We have a 27-year age limit right now, plus one guy can be over that. Mm-hmm. And that's six years here. The like, guy could actually play here. Six years. And we've had those guys. Play six, we've got one guy played seven. Because he was over, he went over the age limit. Chris Seidick that just went to the Hall of Fame this year. And Chris would have kept playing for the, for the extra two if he could have. But he had some guy that set him up in business and he built him a million dollar indoor hitting facility. But my feeling is, and my point of all this is, that at some point, every single guy, that dream of truly playing in the major leagues, is going to disappear because of their age. They're going to be too old to actually get to the big leagues. The big league clubs will not give them the opportunity based on their ages. And it's, it's tough, but it's true. You know, it's true. Yeah, you, those, those are all valid points. Ah, guy's too old. You know, he's too old. He's been in the Frontier League for five years, six years. And yeah, he's had a good year, but blah, blah, blah. He's 27. And he's got to be ready. He's got to go to AAA right now. Can he go to AAA at 27? No, he's not going to make that roster, so we're not going to sign him. So create that spot for the younger guy that still has the opportunity to do that. For the guy that's young, that's, that's I shouldn't say the, not necessarily the younger guy, but the guy that has has more longevity to his career life. Those are all valid points. And uh, the interesting thing is you bring up uh, hometown heroes and how kids look up to these uh-huh. guys. Um, when we when uh, we told players that we were going to be interviewing you, we uh, said, you know, if you have any uh, questions you'd want us to ask the commissioner, you know, um, we'll be more than happy to. We'd love to get some uh, player and fan questions on here as well. And sure. I'm out for that. A bunch of players brought up the possibility of a grandfather clause, and the way they explained it was if a guy spent a full two seasons in a row in the league, he could play past the 30-year age limit, and they said this would help the league as players like Mike Valdez and Mike Torres would be uh, eligible to continue playing <laughs> since they're hometown favorites. That's That was their whole reasoning behind that. Uh, what do you say to that? I love those two guys. I love those two guys. I really do. I love both Mike. I love both Mike's. I really do. They're great guys. And the longer I, you know, obviously the longer a player's in the league, the better I get to know him. And both those guys are top quality guys. And you know what? As, as top quality guys, are their skills going to still be as good as they were in their in their early 20s or mid-20s when they're 31, 32 years old age? Are their skills going to be as good? Or are they going to be better, better off served, being a part of that community, being a part of that team, maybe helping younger guys get to another point. That's my feeling. That's just a personal feeling, okay? I just don't believe that, and, and besides that, boys, every other league, in, every other independent league that's out here, okay, besides the Frontier League, 
we're the only league that has an age limit. If they want to continue their careers, there's plenty of places to play. Yeah, they don't have to hang it up if they're not the Frontier League. They can keep playing somewhere. You know that. They yeah. can go to the Atlantic League. They can go to, they can go to the American Association. They can go to one of the other leagues. Okay, there's plenty of leagues for them to go play in. But I just personally feel that I'd like the older guys to step aside and say, you know what? I got my chance when I was in my early 20s. Let's give the chance to the next guy that's gone up in his early 20s. Yeah, that's that's totally understandable. Um, that's my feel. That's just that's my feeling. Yeah. I totally understand that they love playing in the league. I love them playing in the league. You know, I've always said to the, I say to teams all the time when I meet with them in spring training, I'll say, guys, welcome to the Frontier League. You're welcome to stay here as long as you want, okay? Or as long as the rules allow. But get the hell out of here, okay? <laughs> get yourself signed with the Major League Club. Meet somebody, make your, get yourself a job with one of the big league organizations. Get yourself a job with somebody here in, in a community wherever you are that's going to take care of you for the rest of your life. You can't play. No matter what, I don't care what anybody says. You physically can't play baseball that for your entire life. You can't do it. Your body breaks down. Okay? Give the other guy the opportunity. Find another way to stay involved. You know, there's. I always tell people, guys, I played two years of minor league ball. Okay? I still do. I had a 370 career average in those two years. And I hit 180 and 190 both years. <laughs> Did you get the joke? Yeah, yeah. we got it. <laughs> so, but there's so there's a way to always stay involved in the game. There's other ways other than playing to be a part of the game. There's coaching, there's management, there's broadcasting, there's whatever it might be. Okay, there's working in the front office, there's scouting, there's there's a myriad of things that you can do to be a part of the game itself. And it's not so much the Shelburne Boomers, the Windy City Thunderbolts, Joliet Slammers, whoever it is, that are the draw for these guys. Mm-hmm. There are the, that are the, that's the light that draws them off to it, okay? It's mm-hmm. not so much the team as it is the game and the camaraderie that you miss when you're away from it. You miss the competition, you miss actually playing it, and you miss you miss your buddies. That's the big thing that they miss. Yeah, those are all great points. Yeah. Um, now, we brought up Michael Torres, and his name's been throwing around, uh, been going around a lot because uh, he he reached the age limit. Um, have you fans are really sad to see him go? I know Nick, who's a big Thunderbolts fan, is. Um, now, uh, have you spoken to uh, Mike Torres recently, or? No, not recently at all. I, I saw him maybe, I saw Windy City somewhere in like the last month of the season. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, and I haven't talked to Mike since the, since uh, his eligibility has been up. So, you know, but that's a good thing. Maybe I should, maybe I should talk, find out how to get in touch with Well, another uh, question concerning. Uh, if, you guys, or if you guys talk with him, or if you guys talk with Mike, give, feel free to give him my number. All right, we will. <laughs> We're trying to get him on. Right. I mean, Nick's a big fan. So. Yeah, get Mike. Give it to Mike and give it to, uh, give it to both Mike. Same man, Valdez. 
All right. I love those guys. So. Uh, another question concerning players was the possibility of expansion of the league. Do you plan on expanding the league? Well, uh, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, as the case may be, we have a contraction basically this year. Because uh, you're back to 12 teams. But um, I will, you know, we, we, we certainly want to expand. It's in our bylaws that we can expand. But you don't want to expand until you have the right markets that are, you just don't want to expand to expand. You want to make sure that, that, the, that the expansive cities can sustain and be around for a long time and provide the kind of facilities and the kind of marketing and the kind of attendance that you want to, to make the league look good as it, as it grows. You want to do it right. And you got to have two teams to expand. You, you know, I mean, we can always go back to a road team again, but nobody really wants to do that. You can help it. Yeah, uh, wasn't that the issue with uh, the Grays? Well, the Grays were because we were at 13 teams. Oh. You know. So you have to have you have to have an even number of teams yeah. to schedule, well, and and in a sense, for many teams the Grays are great, you know, and for some teams the the, the, the Grays aren't, you know. Some people don't think that, that having a travel team is good is a good image for the league. For others, they don't care about that part. They care about getting extra home dates. That financially, it's a good thing for the, for their clubs, you know, to have. And I mean, I'll tell you right now, one of the kids that pitched for the Grays last year. Uh, was the first pick in the uh, uh, the AAA supplemental draft that took place at the, at the uh, winter meetings uh, last week. Um, he was the very first pick overall by the Reds, and, and he had pitched for the Frontier Grays last summer. He got picked up in the first week of the season as a right-handed reliever, and he was on 98 miles an hour, 98 to 100 miles an hour up in Windy City, and, and the Diamondbacks picked him up, and then the uh, Reds drafted him as the first, as the first pick. Last, last, uh, that's awesome. Yeah, last week. yeah, that's awesome. Um, now we have to ask this because we're we're uh, the Frontier League tonight team is friends of the city of Charlotte, uh, and they want to know uh, is Charlotte, North Carolina, a viable option or for is expanding the uh, st- <laughs> a strictly a Midwestern type thing? Charlotte, North Carolina. They 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 love baseball down there. They're always asking. Well, I know they love their baseball. I know they love their baseball. As a matter of fact, back when I worked for the Birmingham Barons, hopefully somebody in Charlotte might be listening to this thing later. Oh, Rick Curdy, oh, trust me, Rick Curdy. Uh, we recently so interviewed back in, back in the early '80s when I started working for the Birmingham Barons. Uh, they were called the Charlotte O's at the time. There was a Double A club for the Orioles, and. Uh, and a lady named Frances Crockett owned that team, and the Crockett family owned that team. And the Crockett family also had another business that they were involved in. And are uh, are any of you guys pro wrestling fans? Uh, Nick is. Nick and yes. Bob are both huge. Yes. And, uh, I know the Thunderbolts do. There used to be one called the NWA. Okay, but the NWA and the WWE used to go at it, hit, you know, all the time. And they wound up being based out of Atlanta. They Ted Turner bought them from the Crockett family, but they were based out of Charlotte for years. And their broadcaster was a guy named Tony Schiavone that used to do their TV broadcasts for the NWA and all that kind of stuff. And, and, and it, they, they were wonderful, wonderful folks. And then eventually, Charlotte went AAA, which they still are, are today. And... Uh, uh, got a beautiful new stadium down there. They've had a couple of different stadiums, I think, down there over the years. 
They uh, so, just built. Would Charlotte be a fit? I hate to say no because I, I really do like wow. Charlotte. And one of the best things about it, one of the best things about Charlotte, as you come down into Charlotte, uh, I forget what interstate it's on, but there's a beautiful area just north of Charlotte a little bit. It's called Lake Norman. I don't know if you guys know about that area down there. It's a beautiful, beautiful area. And uh, it, it's called Lake Norman, but the, there's a stretch of highway in there along the interstate and it's called the Bill Lee Highway really <laughs> I swear to God it's called Bill Lee Highway I got my picture taken alongside the sign one time so maybe there's a possibility one day well the reason we asked you, you that never, you know what if, if the league becomes so big you know you, you should never say no to anything okay because you just never know what the future is going to hold how's that well, the reason we asked you that, Commissioner, is because we recently had on a gentleman by the name of Rick Hurdy who was trying to bring the Major League Baseball to Charlotte, so we thought we'd just ask for him. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, wow. Yeah, if you... Uh, it's a great town. I mean, it's a tremendous town, and obviously their, you know, their football team is doing incredible this year, and, uh, but it's a great town. I love, I love Charlotte as a town. Yeah, we only hear good things about Charlotte, yes. so... Uh, <laughs> Recently, though, uh, back to... If you ever get a chance, make sure you get there. If you get a chance, get there. All right. Um, but recently, back to baseball, uh, Pete Rose has yet again uh, been turned down from the Hall of Fame. And But Rose is, uh, he's shrined by some Frontier League teams. Um, what are your thoughts on Pete Rose? Should he be in the Hall of I Fame? I love Pete. Without a doubt, he should be in the Hall of Fame. What he did on the field... Okay, on the field holds. Nobody can do what he did on the field. And, you know, when he was playing, I don't know, it's a different world. But he was betting when he was a manager. And I understand what they're doing. You know, I, have, I totally get it. I totally get it. And I don't know how much Pete has to pay for it, but I love Pete. And I love him as a person. I love what he's done for our team from the Frontier League. He's become a friend. Um, he's he's been a wonderful guy. When he goes in, the, if, if you guys get a chance to see him, whenever he's touring through the Frontier League, he will spend hours upon hours with the players after games, just hours sitting there talking baseball with everybody. He spends hours with the fans. He's been absolutely nothing shy of incredible in the last two years working with our teams in the Frontier League. I met Pete first in 1988 when I was running the Chattanooga Lookouts and we became the Reds' double-A club. And he was managing the big league, the big league team at that time. And he treated me like gold then. And every time I've ever had the opportunity to be with him, he's always treated me extremely well. Okay? Uh, I think I think the world of Pete Rose, and I, I wish he'd get in. I really do. Well, that's, that's a very... Very kind words. Yeah, good to hear too. You know, a lot of people like to say Pete Rose is some huge jerk, but uh, talk about the negatives about. Yeah, him. the real negative side to Pete Rose. Uh, you don't hear. I'll tell you this. Let, let me say this too, and I and I totally get that because I've been around. I've basically been. I'm starting my 36th year in professionals in professional sports. Okay, four years in hockey and 32 years in baseball, and and that's probably longer than you guys have been alive. Um, but I will say this throughout all those years and that doesn't count the other years prior to that when I played and stuff like that 
I've had the opportunity to meet some incredible, incredible people and go to go all over the world uh, with with baseball. Um, the, the, the circles I've gotten to run in, the people I've gotten to know, uh, has been has been incredible for a guy like me. I mean, it's just phenomenal. Okay, but. The biggest thing I've found is there's a lot of people that you meet in this business that you go, you, you get a preconceived notion of what the press or the media kind of says about them and things like that. It was kind of like with Pete or, you know, with certain people, you get a preconceived notion that this guy's like the nicest guy in the world, but this guy's the biggest jerk in the world. And Pete always seemed to me to be getting dealt the bad hand. But ever since I've, I've met him in 1988 for the first time, I he's been nothing but great you know just great but boy there's some others that you think oh wow what a great guy this guy must be and he's going no he's not really you know know, it's it's just been it's just been a it's been a great ride for me personally now with your thoughts on uh, Pete Rose in the Hall of Fame obviously you're pro uh, what would it take uh, per se hypothetically for somebody to be blacklisted from the Frontier League Baseball Hall of Fame? Well, number one, we got different qualifications. Um, you know, you got to play in the, year, in the league X amount of time, and you got to be out of the league X amount of time. Um, but for, if you were basically blacklisted from our league, you would have had the, basically, it's, it's the uh, PEDs right now. We have the, uh, we have the uh, drug testing that we do. And we ban people through that. That's fair. Yeah, that's, that's good to know. And I think that's the way they should do it in the uh, major, the major league baseball hall of fame. I think that. I mean, we do have the, we have the same gambling rule as well. We do have that. Uh, but nowadays, you've got everybody playing these, you know, the, the DraftKings and the, uh, you know, the, the you know the, the fantasy leagues and everything else for money. So what's that? Is that not the same thing? And our, you know, in our DraftKings, and what's the other one? Uh, there's DraftKings, and what's the other FanDuel. one? Uh, FanDuel. They're paying big money to all these sports to to to, uh, to sponsor, for sponsorships. So what are they going to do? And the players are playing it, guys. They're playing them. Yeah, I wouldn't doubt that. Players doing the fantasy. They're big league guys doing fantasies, fantasy leagues. They're all doing them. Maybe not all, but there's a lot of them doing them. Now, is there a uh, journalist or uh, broadcaster's wing to the Frontier League Hall of Fame? The, the fourth brick. And as a matter of fact, our first one will, when it's time, our first one will probably be a guy by the name of Robert Ford, who we just decided, who we just this year named the, or last year we named the Broadcaster of the Year Award after Robert. Robert is now, Robert worked for the Kalamazoo Kings in 2002 and 2003. He is now the lead uh, play-by-play guy for the Houston Astros. Nice. So uh, when are we going to be inducted? <laughs> uh, you know, keep putting me on and make me look good, guys. You never know. <laughs> well, we'll be sure to do that. All right, and before... <laughs> you got you to you 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 take me out in Schaumburg when I'm up there. Now, where are you guys based? Uh, we're based uh, closer to Windy City. Yeah, really. around the crust. Oh, yeah? Yeah, we're about, what, okay. 20... 20 Ten minutes away. Yeah, something like that from Standard oh, Bank Stadium. Okay. Uh, now uh, we. You're, you're, gonna, you're gonna have to take me. Here's how you, you gotta bribe me with uh, with uh, with some with some lasagna at Louisa's. Oh yes. 
That place is the best. I know exactly what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) You can get to me through my stomach, boys. (laughs) Well, keep that in mind. Now, is there is there a team in the Frontier League you secretly root for? No. No, not at all. There's not. Honest to God, there is not. I'll take. You know what? I'll take that back. I used. I I I did root for the Grays. Well, they're your team. <laughs> because, because I know what they go through. You know, those are the guys that are playing for the least amount of salary in the league. And everybody says, oh, well, they get money from they get all the meal money. That's true. That's true. They do. But they really don't have a home crowd. They're, they're the visiting team every day. Nobody's really close who they are. You know, and I always pull for those guys because they... They busted their they busted their butts for it. They were there because they wanted to move on, and that was the number one thing with these guys. They wanted to they wanted to get out and get on with, it, you know. And it, it takes a special guy to play for that team. So yeah, I pulled for them. Um, but as far as anybody else, no, I, I can't. I mean, and, and, and I'm fortunately, you know, fortunately or unfortunately, as the case may be, I've become very calloused over the years. I even watch Major League Baseball from kind of a you know, just kind of the, the middle of the road position. You know, I just, I just, I, I, I just, I just don't really pull for somebody. You know, and I live in St. Louis, and you know, but I found myself kind of pulling for the Cubs a little bit over the Cardinals, and you know, that kind of stuff. But yeah, you know, what the heck? So you can, you can say the Grays and Kenny Williams terms the uh, president of the Chicago White Sox. They are grinders. Good. Yeah, they're grinders. They're yeah. grinders. Yeah. Total grinders. Um, now, managing has been a strong suit for you. Explain how you keep managers, umpires, players, or front office people on a high level of respect for each other. Uh, I mean, obviously these guys are making a living uh, in the league, and they do a lot for the league. Uh, is there anything you'd like to say to all of them? Yeah, two words. Steve Kassler. That's how you do it. Well said. Well said. Um, how often do you catch Steve it? Is, Steve is. Steve has been with me as my deputy for nine since 2009. And he does an incredible job. In the first uh, 15 years that I ran the league, I did everything that Steve does now. Okay? And I knew every player in the league, I knew every manager, and I knew every umpire. I did all that. But that's how it that's how we became a family. Because I built a family out of all this. That was my whole goal was to everybody to be on the same page and pull in the same direction. That granted their team was always number one, but the league was one A. And you had to pull for the league. You had to make sure the league stayed strong. So then when we brought Steve on board, Steve does all that. He pulls those guys together and makes sure that everybody stays within the rules and, and, and does his best to, to, to make sure that, that all happens. He's, a, he's, he's incredible for what he does for, for this league. We actually saw Steve in a similar type uh, atmosphere that you're in right now. We saw him in a Reddit, Ask Me Anything. Oh, yeah. For the independent baseball, he would just he was just asking uh, fielding questions from fans uh-huh. about like similar questions we're asking you. So... 
Oh, he's a dandy now. And, and did you get more than one word out of him? Uh, we didn't ask him any questions. We just, uh, it was like an interview. We, we went through reading it, uh, talking about his uh, answers and the questions he was asked on one of our episodes. I think that was probably our first. Yeah, that was our first episode, actually. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a good guy. He's a dandy. Now, uh, how often do you catch a game at each park? And do you have a favorite stadium? I used to go to, uh, uh, years ago I was hitting probably, at my, at my peak I was probably about 70 games a year. I'm probably down to about 40 to 45 games a year now. I like to spend a little more time with the grandkids and stuff like that these days and kind of some of the stuff that they do in the summer. But um, uh, as far as like the stadiums, I love our stadiums, believe me, but it's Evansville. Evansville's the, Evansville has been and always will be my favorite stadium because you you cannot build district, you know, with the newer stadiums. And I love there are new stadiums. I love them all, but, but boy, that Evansville, Bossy Field, 100 years old. Uh, it's just, it's an amazing place to go watch a game. Oh. It really is. And if you, if you guys ever decide to take the show on the road. Oh, we plan on it. We plan on it, trust me. We, we want to, we're planning. Evansville, Evansville definitely needs to be one of your first stops. Uh, Bob, or one of our team members, Bob, he's a uh, huge Evansville Otters fan. So uh, we were definitely going to think about catching the game. That Mike Pinto, the manager of the Southern Illinois Miners, has uh, asked us to come down. So that's an option we may consider. Yeah, we're just trying yeah, to figure out. It's only about 90 miles from Marion over to, over to uh, Evansville. Yeah, we're just trying to figure out all the logistics, but that's stuff for the summer. Yeah, when the season kicks off, we're excited to we're excited to uh, have a full season to do. Last year we started towards July. Season was at its midway point. Uh, we did catch the All Star game in, so, in Schaumburg. Yeah, saw you there. Oh, excellent! Um, excellent. Well, you guys need to make sure that, you, that we get to know each other here a little bit. So, look oh, we'll forward to it. Definitely, Bill. Um, we did. We did get free tickets to the All Star Game. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> we thought I was a representative. You, you just. What did you do? What did you do? Talk to the players and get left on the pass list? No, some some guy just came up to us and handed us free vouchers, and we just thought it was a league representative who knew who we were. But uh, I don't think so. He just said, he just said "Yeah, Bill Lee was out for killing free tickets." <laughs> <laughs> Well, I think that's all the questions we have for you. But uh, lastly, Dennis Pelfrey, he's the uh, field manager of the Florence Freedoms. He told us to tell you he says hello. He wants everyone to know that he, as a player and now a manager, appreciates everything you and Steve Tashler do for the league and the players and the coaches, and that you deserve a standing ovation every time you visit a park. Oh, boy, that's sweet. You know, Pelfrey is a wonderful guy. Uh, I've known Dennis since he, he played with the Du Bois County Dragons back in the day, and uh, he's uh, and he lived through one of the biggest heartbreaking games, for either heartbreaks or, or, or depending on which side of the of the uh, fence you were on, so to speak. Uh, it, it was the most amazing, one of the most amazing playoff games I ever saw. And it was in 2002, and Richmond was playing the Boys County down in Huntingburg, Indiana. And, and, and you guys probably don't know where Huntingburg, Indiana is in Du Bois County, but it's also they used they used three stadiums in, in when they filmed uh, a league of their own. Okay, uh, Wrigley Field, 
Evansville's Bossy Field, and Huntingburg's League Stadium. Those are the three fields that they use. But in 2002, Greg Taggart, who's been the manager at Gary for forever, was managing Elf and his buddies at, at, for Dubois County. And they were leading, I believe it was two to one. Uh, no, 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 wait a minute. It was two to nothing, I think. And uh, in, the, in the ninth, and Richmond, Indiana got two guys on and uh, there was two outs. Uh, there was two outs and then Richmond gets two guys on and a guy by the name of Phil Willingham comes up and the best reliever in the league for was with Du Bois County that year named Derek Lopez. And uh, he in a three two count, Phil Willingham hits one over the over the right field wall and beats him uh, three to two. And it was unbelievable. I'd never seen a finish like that. And it was the most dramatic home run I've probably ever seen in, in the league history. But um, it was unbelievable. And Pelf uh, you know, was there and he went through it all. But, uh, and now he's managing, he's doing a good job. He got his team in the playoffs last year. And I'm looking forward to seeing Pelf out at, our, uh, at the California Winter League this year. He's coming out there and I'm, I'm really looking forward to seeing him. And I really appreciate him going out there. And, and I, I'm, I'm proud as heck of all of our guys. And, uh, and I love our managers. And uh, hopefully we can all keep pulling together to make the league as strong as we can make it. Okay, before we let you go, Bill, who's winning the 2016 Frontier League Championship? Oh, it's way too early to tell, boys. Way too early. <laughs> Pelfrey's, Pelfrey's listening. Maybe I better say Florence. You know, I don't know. <laughs> what about Jordan Dean? I don't know who all you got listening to that, but... Uh, oh, we got, uh, we got a lot of players. It's probably better than that, but I'll never commit to anything there along that line. Uh, what about uh, Jeremy? What about Jordan Dean and the Schaumburg Boomers? You know, they uh, Jordan's a good friend of the show. Jordan's a great guy too. He's a wonderful guy, and, and, and you know what? I love having Schaumburg in the league. And uh, I'll tell you, it's been a, they've been a great addition to our league. Mm-hmm. And you know what else, boys? It's wonderful having former players like uh, like Pelf and like Jamie Bennett and those kind of guys, and, and a Phil Warren. The guys that grew up playing through the league and understood the league back in some of the earlier days, and they can kind of bring that feel and that understanding of what those guys went through back in those days to make sure that they got a chance to play. And it is a different it is a different animal now than it ever was. But those guys can tell you what it was like, and um, and, and they made the sacrifices that helped these young guys today be able to play and do what they're doing. All right. Well, great yeah. Well, thank you, you know, so I much. Can't thank you enough. I can't thank you enough for the time. Please oh, make we, sure to stay in touch. And, we can't and, thank uh, you enough, Commissioner. And, and everything else so I can, I can catch up to it one day, okay? All right. Thanks for coming on. We appreciate it a lot. Uh, go Boomers. <laughs> go Corn Belters. <laughs> <laughs> we 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 like that one too. We, we like take that, that one too. We're all winners. Thank you so much, guys, and everybody have a wonderful. And you know what? And I'm a PC guy, so I'm going to say have a merry merry Christmas. A very very merry merry Christmas to everybody. God bless you guys, and, and, and have a, have a safe safe and happy holiday, and a wonderful new year. For oh, you too, Bill. Merry Christmas, Billy. Everybody, the commissioner of the Frontier League.
Well, uh, there we go. That's the uh, Bill Lee interview episode. This, uh, that was a great episode, Jeremy. What do you think? You know, he really knew his stuff there. That That's the thing that really impressed me about him. He just... <laughs> Very interactive. The whole interview, it was just a delight having him on. Yeah, it was a real, real uh, pleasure and honor to have, you know, the commissioner of the league on. I mean, we've had Rick Curdy on. We're going to have Jordan Dean on. I know we always say that, but Jordan Dean's coming on. Um, Pelf is coming on. Um, Possibly a Hall of Fame, a Major League Hall of Famer in... Billy Wagner. Who's possibly coming on the show. Uh, we have a... Southtown uh, star reporter oh, Pat DeCibato, just I can't even say enough good words about Pat. Oh, he's just a class act. Class act, and he knows his stuff too. So I'm really excited to have those guys on and all. But you know, when you have a chance to interview the commissioner of the league, the you, whole reason why we're doing this, yeah, pretty I much. Mean, you you take that you take that opportunity, and uh, I think I uh, I think it's safe to say he was our flagship interview. Flagship. This not, is. No offense to the other guys, none, all the respect in the world to them, but that was, that was a that was a great honor, uh, and for us, it to happen so early in the uh, Frontier League tonight uh, history. I yeah. mean, this is what episode five or six. Yeah, five. I mean, re- really good stuff, and it's just that's that's an outlook on twenty sixteen. Yeah. That's where we're taking this show. Yeah. We're going to new heights. We plan on doing a summer tour. Uh, we'll have an episode explaining that once we get all the logistics figured out. We forgot to ask Billy for press passes, so that's this, this, that's the thing I'm kind of upset yeah. about. We yeah. should have done that. I think yeah. he would have done it. Yeah, but. Billy would have done us a solid right there. Yeah. But uh, I think that's about it for this episode. Yeah. Hope we liked the interview. Yeah, I know I did. And uh, shout out to Dan and Dan, who's texted me that he couldn't make it because he is um, let me get the text he is working on a big field report that he'll be reporting next show Ooh, I didn't know that but, so that's why Dan was absent shout out to uh, Bob Texas Roadhouse, visit him get some free bread, also don't tip him and Nick, I hope your surgery goes off when you have to retire from playing football oh, is he playing is he watching Star Wars right now? Oh, you might be watching yeah. Star Wars. Either way, you're a nerd, and I hope the surgery goes okay. But still. We should have ripped him. Like, we ripped him the third episode when he wasn't here. We didn't do that this time. No, I just kind of did. Yeah, that's true. Just kind of yeah. stuck a dagger in him. He still lost 49 nothing. Yeah. <laughs> He's also still a bandwagon Cubs fan. <laughs> so, uh, for I'm Jack. I'm Jeremy. And uh, that's a lonely episode, but having Bill Lee on here made it all the yeah. better. Good night, Frontier League fanatics.